it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time to go inside the film room. With veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg, it's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry. From LandryFootball.com, I'm Scott Seidenberg reminding you that you could subscribe to the Football Film Room Podcast. It's under Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from or very simply check us out on LandryFootball.com. And this Twitch channel is for you, the football fan. So follow along at twitch.tv slash ChrisLandryFootball and send us your questions because we will answer them. And Chris, we got a lot of questions after that weekend in football, brother. Oh, man, I can't wait to get into it. It's my favorite time of the week. Talk a little football with you, the football film room. A reminder, folks, if you're not watching this live, if you're listening to it, as Scott said, as a podcast, that's great. We appreciate you. Check us out if you got a chance. You know, get away and go to twitch.tv uh, slash Chris Landry Football or go to LandryFootball.com. Watch this live and join us in the chat room. Ask your questions. Participate as we do it. Because when the show's over, eh, the questions, we got to get to it next week. So it's a way <laughs> to interact with us. But you're so right. We've got a lot of things. Big weekend had more of a fuller week of yeah. uh, college football action and the NFL is going good. And oh, just as we thought it was safe to get out of the COVID talk, my God, yeah. in Tennessee, uh, let's, let's hope that things are going to go well. But I'm excited. And we got another film room breakdown. Scott's pulled yep. up. We're going to talk a little bit about it. It's the name of the show. So we'll talk a little film room. Tell you what really happened on one pivotal play in the Seahawks Cowboys. So, Scott, I I just can't wait. Just a whole bunch of things to react to. You mentioned the first full weekend of college football, and didn't it seem like it was really week one? Yeah. Because the SEC was playing. You had games on all day on a variety of channels. It wasn't just two conferences playing. It wasn't just maybe three games at this time or two games at this time. It felt like week one, really, of the college football season. And I absolutely loved it. And I loved the SEC kickoff. And uh, you know that I'm big on the Florida Gators this year, Chris. Watching that game against Ole Miss, Kyle Trask had all day to throw. And granted, Ole Miss was putting up points at ease on that Florida defense, but I looked at the way that they played after their senior safety, I'm talking about for Florida, gets ejected for targeting in the second offensive possession for Ole Miss on a call that, frankly, let them play football, guys. 
He turned, <laughs> he hit him in the midsection. It shouldn't have been targeting, but whatever. He gets ejected from the game because of injury. Their other senior safety was out. They're forced to put a freshman in the game, and he gets burned on two deep touchdowns. Florida winds up winning the game very easily, 51-35. But, Chris, I don't even think it should have been that close. Well, in a general overview, I would like to caution everybody because it was, like you said, it was, what do they call it, the soft launch and then the yes. hard launch. And yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like that in college. And because it is, it's it, and it was opening day for the SEC, there's a lot of overreaction. In, into, in other words, everybody thinks player, coach, team is going to be defined by how they look, and, and I, it, it never is that way. You never stay the same. You get better, you get worse. So a couple of things with Florida. Um, and and I, I thought there were some good things, and I thought uh, young Brenton Cox graded well. I'm looking at my film grade notes. It, there, there were not a lot of positives on defense, but there was some up front. The linebackers played well. The defensive line played well. They have to grow into their season. It's how much better do they get defensively. Look, they went up against a really weak Ole Miss defense that is really short on personnel. So I would say this, that the defense for Florida will get a little bit better, and the offense is not going to put up as many points as they did against better defenses, but this is a good Florida team. And I will stick with what I've said before, that Florida looks like not a complete team, but they've got a good quarterback. They've got a mismatch guy at tight end. They need to stay healthy. Oh, like he's the best tight end in the country, Kyle Pitts. He's, and so what they have is the ability now to create real good mismatches away from him, and they can pull the trigger with a really good quarterback. And that is going to give them a great chance, even if their defense is subpar and giving up points, they're in a position, Florida, to outscore people. Um, whereas Georgia may have a better defense, better defensive overall personnel. Georgia's got to fix their offense. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that because those are the two teams that in the East, but look, it's, it's one step, one chapter in a long book. Um, and, and I thought Florida's off the good start. Ole Miss will score on a lot of people this year. They're a good offensive team. So Again, don't overreact to Florida's defense or their offense. It'll be somewhere in the middle, but I think Florida's really good. And I think off of one week, because that's what everybody do. We got to make a judgment. What is it? Well, certainly Florida looked better than Georgia, but let's see how it develops. I will say this, and you've mentioned this all summer, Georgia, and I'm going to jump to them in a second, Georgia better get the quarterback situation playing better because mm -hmm. They are in a situation, if they stub their toe this week against Auburn and they lose to Alabama, which they will, then it won't really matter if they beat Florida if Florida is able to take care of business because they don't have to play Alabama in a championship game. You know, they've got a little bit of easier schedule. So that's why I know you mentioned all along all summer, Scott did, that he liked Florida because he thought Georgia's schedule was more difficult. So we shall see. But that's what I learned out of Florida Ole Miss. Yeah, the offensive line, I thought, for Florida played really well. Trask seemed to have a lot of time to throw the ball in that game. So that's something to look uh, look to moving forward. Uh, let's talk about Georgia. They start off really slow, but an impressive second half as they make the adjustments and they go on to beat Arkansas 37-10. to 10. 
Well, I think what happened in the end was their ability defensively to create enough pressure and force turnovers, create a short field, or actually just score some darn points for them. Then that's where the game, you know, you saw the, you saw Arkansas wilt. They wilted in the face of a team that's much more talented. Look, Scott, let's call it what it is. Kind of hard to blow somebody out if you can't score points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, we saw that with Georgia. We saw that with AM. I mean, seven, five, my goodness. Well, again, you can be a lot better if you can't put points on the board, you're in trouble. Well, that's where Georgia is right now. That's what they've got to overcome. Though, you know, the first thing I said when I'm watching this game, Scott, there's no way in hell Jamie Newman was beaten out for the starting job. I mean, there's <laughs> no way. Juan Mathis wasn't ready. I yeah. mean, JT Daniels wasn't there until late, and he hasn't even been cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, Stetson Bennett was there. You know why they put him in? He calmed the waters. He kind of knew what he was doing. He could help mm-hmm. set the protections. And and he didn't lose them the game. You know, with Dewan Mathis, it's about his legs and what he can do in terms of play. They got to figure out this quarterback situation in a hurry. Or they yeah. got – they're going to get embarrassed against Alabama. And it is not a given – they should be George, uh, Auburn. I think they will. But if they don't figure this out quickly, they're again, th- this could be a problem. And this is the problem. Last year it was the offense wasn't good enough with a veteran quarterback in Jake Fromm. And now it's we don't have a quarterback, and it's just not going to fly. They're very, very frustrated in Georgia. Well, Georgia football, my goodness. Yeah. Georgia and the Falcons. Just not <laughs> the whole state. I, I, I dread my Atlanta radio visit tomorrow. I, I'm sorry, Matt and Chuck, our good friend Matt, Matt Chernoff and Chuck Oliver. I I always love the visit, but, man, it is bad news. <laughs> yeah, uh, the whole state is pretty frustrated. Uh, Mississippi State. Not frustrated at all. And I think KJ Costello is very happy in this Mike Leach, Mike Leach offense, Chris. 36 of 60 passing, 623 yards, and five touchdowns. I think it took him two seasons to get that much at Stanford. But he does. He breaks all sorts of records. And Mississippi State goes into Baton Rouge and upsets LSU 44-34. Mississippi State was one of my picks this weekend against the spread. The reason being is I just felt LSU lost so many players coming back from last year's national championship team. And more importantly, losing Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator. We know they have talent. It was just not going to be the team that we saw last year there's going to be an adjustment period and we saw it here in week one against a a team that is going to be dangerous every single week if you took all those yardage they scored and just you know just stacked them up against one another it would extend all the way to my front yard here I mean (laughs) I mean it was just a long long day look here's the storyline in this game this would fall into the category of overreaction all right Mississippi State did a really nice job. Scott, they did nothing fancy. I verified no. with the coaches. I, I, I verified with their coaches, a couple offensive coaches. I said, look, I counted, uh, I counted eight pass plays and six runs. They said, no. He says, <laughs> he says we had six pass plays and we had three runs. And wow. they just ran them in different formation looks. So – Look, what they did was fundamental pitch and catch. They run to grass. And this, to me, was more about what LSU didn't do. 
No, this is not the old boy. Mike Leach is going to revolutionize football in the SEC. No, no, it, it's you're not going to see good defenses adjust to it. I, I, I think, I, or you will see good defenses uh, yeah, of adjust course. to what wow. they did. What you saw was LSU was ill prepared. They clearly, from I call it arrogance, competitive arrogance, were that much better. We're going to do what we do. We don't care what they do. Scott, I did it on the film room game previews when I go in-depth on the game. You can't play man coverage against all those shallow crosses. All you're doing is you're taking yourself out of the play. They did it the entire game, and they beat them and beat them. It was pitch and catch. KJ Costello made some nice throws, but they were easy throws. You're not going to see them do it. You're going to see them do it this week against Arkansas, and you're going to see Mike Leach and this Mississippi State team upset some people along the way. But this is some – they've got pretty good talent at Mississippi State. This was poorly executed by LSU, and everything you said about all the, the coaches and players that are missed, Big, big losses, no doubt. And then you lose Stingley going into the game. So yeah, if you want to play man, that's a part of it. It takes something away that you can do. So all of that, but it is a game that, of course, LSU now, they can't outscore you like they did last year. So, you know, when they couldn't, didn't adjust and couldn't stop Mississippi State and they couldn't generate enough offense themselves, they found themselves in a pickle and they just, you know, so now it is, you know, doom is gloom, uh, you know, doom and gloom. And, you know, I, I think LSU may have, well, in my mind, they're going to have an extra loss than I thought, but I, I didn't think they would. I thought they'd have three or four losses this year. Now I'm pretty sure they're going to have three or four losses. And um, I, I, you know, for all the people that say, oh, they, they won't drop off that much baloney. They're going to drop off a bunch and Mississippi state proved it, but that is one that LSU still could have won with better coaching on the defensive side. But that is a little bit of a difference. Bo Pelini, hyper aggressive. I'm going to do it my way. And it cost them the game in my view. One more uh, game question from last weekend before we preview some games for this coming weekend in college football. And this was probably the question that I was asked the most over the past several days, Chris. What the heck was Oklahoma doing? What happened in that game being up 35 to 14 in the third quarter and they lose that game in Norman? What? Here's what are two things that jumped out. Okay. So we know this whole culture of this football program is built around their offense. We've talked about it. Everything they do, Scott, from recruiting to development is about to beautify the offense. Mm-hmm. They, I have said there is every reason for Oklahoma, every reason with the resources, the tradition, and the history. In fact, it's even greater history and tradition than the school I'm about to say. But there is no reason why Oklahoma can't look and play like Clemson. There's no reason why they can't have three and four and five and six defensive linemen just lined up, ready to get ready for the NFL. They don't have that. They don't do that. They don't recruit to that. That's on the head coach. This is a offensive culture. Oh, we got to score a bunch of points in the Big 12. You... If you want to be a the best Big 12 team, you're going fine. You're probably going to be there most years. If you're going to be a national player, which you are not Oklahoma, you better start having a culture that 
you know, plays more to the entire team and the defense, but you've got a head coach that's an offensive guy that mm-hmm. he identifies success with how beautiful his offense looks. And that's not being a great head coach. That's being a good play caller and a good play designer. And they're not very good at that. They're not talented enough on defense and their offense doesn't help the pace of which the defense has to play. And Scott, if the offense is less than perfect, it falls apart. So what happened offensively? The offensive line just got torched as the game went along. Kansas State, Hubert, all those guys were rushing upfield, beating uh, uh, in their pass sets, beating them yeah. out of their stance. So my point is, if you're going to be that great offensive team, you have no margin for error, Scott. You better score early. You better score often. You better score in the middle. And you better damn near score 60 or you don't have a chance. You are an average football team, Oklahoma, if you are not exploding offensively. And that's the problem. And, yes, maybe it's a Big 12 problem. But it should not be a problem for Oklahoma and Texas. Those places have the resources to be as good as anybody, as good as Georgia and Clemson and Ohio State. They just don't do it. And it's, it is due to the culture, and it's on the head coaches. It's on Tom Herman, and it's on Lincoln Riley. They're good offensive minds. They're not good head coaches. There I said it. So whether it's Cowboy fans or whatever, in fact, it may be a fit. If you put him in the NFL and he's going to just run his offense, you're going to have the Cliff Kingsbury role. Mm-hmm. It might work. But if you're going to run a big-time program and you think you're going to outscore people all the time, it doesn't work, Lincoln. It doesn't. And the defense is going from average to below average to putrid. Simple as that. Wow. Well, let's preview some games for this weekend, uh, this upcoming week. Friday, we got a good one. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily going to be the blowout that people expect it to be. BYU hosting Louisiana Tech. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from this Louisiana Tech team uh, through the first two weeks. They haven't really played anybody, but um, you know they had that come from behind last second uh, win over Southern Miss on the the the. Griffin uh, Herbert uh, catch with the toe tap in the end zone. BYU, through two games, Chris, has looked unstoppable. Now, they played Navy, who didn't tackle anybody in the offseason, and they uh, had the game against Army postponed, and they played Troy, but they've only allowed 10 points total through two games while scoring, what, over 100? Yes, And I'm looking here. I wanted to refresh my schedule with BYU because the thing about it, if you haven't watched BYU in a while, um, you may recognize a uniform. You're not going to recognize what they're doing because for those that think of BYU, of the throw it all around, they're a bunch of big (laughs) 30-pound offensive linemen that are 25 years old that have been on missions that, that, you know, have got their beards have got beards. I mean, they're just, they, you know, they're a really buff. They are physical. They are really good. And I don't think, I know the storyline was Navy and not hitting, but you know what? We didn't give enough, people didn't give enough credit to BYU. Yeah, I I certainly did. Here's the thing about it, you know, because they didn't get to, the schedule was kind of weird and I was looking at it. That's a team that legitimately has a chance to go unbeaten. Uh, and, you know, maybe not. They'll be they'll get behind in the game. Tour. They can control the line of scrimmage and play with a lot of teams at a big-time level just from a pure line of scrimmage standpoint. They can run the football, 
and they're very, very physical on defense. So, yeah, this ought to be a really good matchup. A little bit of contrast in styles. This will be a really good one. And, um, you know, just just difficult for BYU because their schedule had some really good-looking games in it. I mean, Michigan State, you know, looked like a better game a couple of years ago than now. But Arizona State, I mean, they, they kind of their schedule just been kind of tossed. And yeah. it's a really a shame because they're not – this maybe had a chance to be like a really good team that could have proved something. And, I, you know, they're just going to win games and they ain't going to amount to a whole lot, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, uh, well, that's the Friday night game. Then we go on to Saturday where um, Texas hosts TCU – Texas coming off a miraculous <laughs> victory, um, a very unpro- you know, improbable win. They they must have been watching the, the the Cowboys onside kick. Texas Tech must have been doing, but uh. you know, Texas uh, wins that football game. They pull the rabbit out of the hat. Now they sit here at two and zero, hosting TCU on Saturday. Look, I you know um, looked at TCU, and you know I think they've got some growing pains there as well, but they'll play hard. They'll play well. They're better than Texas Tech, Texas. Texas is a little bit frustrating to watch. Again, they don't play defense. Ellinger yeah. kind of bailed them out in, in a collapse of Texas Tech. I mean, that was a game that Texas should have won going away. Texas had it put away. Then they lost it, and Texas Tech had it put away. Uh, you know, it's just hard to get excited. It just almost looked like, you know, I tell you, it almost looks like a CYA basketball game or something. I mean, just, you know, just, um, just really, really disappointing to watch the progression or lack thereof of this Texas team. And, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I still wouldn't count out Oklahoma in the big 12 because I still think, OU Texas, I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm, I'm just wanting to see if Oklahoma state can get a little bit healthier at quarterback. I know they can run the football. That's the team that even though they haven't looked all that impressive, they maybe looked a little bit more complete of anybody. Uh, but I'm looking for Texas to begin to make a statement. But, you know, I think it's almost time to where we just kind of quit talking about that because the whole they're back and they might be back. Yeah, ain't nothing. I mean, they really are nothing. It's just disappointing to watch this team. And I just don't know that even I kind of tweeted out, the Big 12, Scott, may be out of the playoff race before the Big 10. Even I think so, yeah. And yeah. You, you don't know because I don't know that they're going to be four teams. I'm afraid we're going to have three or maybe two. Mm-hmm. So that that may be a, an Oklahoma that runs the rest of the way might get circled back in. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be a weird year. But I can tell you this, that I haven't seen a team in the Big 12 that looks even close to being – a national playoff caliber, not even close. It's a long season. Don't want to overreact. But, look, I've got enough film on the Big 12 to be really concerned about the top ones. I mean, at least. Yeah. They need to get a whole lot better. And I know it's a weird year, folks, but come on, Texas, Oklahoma, <laughs> everybody in the Big 12. Play some damn defense, for goodness sake. Pardon. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Uh, the afternoon game on CBS and the SEC is Alabama against Texas A&M. And if Texas A&M has any hopes – of staying Ooh. in this game, they got to have a better first half than they did last week. Scott, Kellen Mond graded out as the worst player on AM's offense for me when I broke down the Vanderbilt game. The that's, worst player. So we grade yeah, out, you know, like the blues, purples, mm-hmm, blues, mm-hmm. reds, purples, and then your oranges are back up. He graded out as a in a reject grade for that game. That game only. One game. Okay. Move on. Um, 
that certainly was not the start that I expected for a breakout year for Kellen Mond. Oh, my goodness. It was a breakup. I mean, it was just really awful. I mean, it was the worst half of football for a team that was in Vanderbilt fought. They played hard. They made a few plays on deep. This was A&M not getting it done. And um, look, I, this, this is another one. You talk about getting embarrassed. I, I you maybe some of it. I mean, I can't believe looking ahead and all that. You, you got to take advantage of playing against Vanderbilt and, and beating them and getting ready for Alabama. I don't believe, well, they, they were looking ahead. They're going to have to play a lot better. The one thing I will say, here's the one thing that helps you a little bit as a coach. When you put that on film and you can, in the meeting room, show them what they're doing, you have got their attention because they're humiliated without yeah. having to suffer a loss. So I, I, whatever NM's got in terms of effort, I think we're going to learn a lot about it this week. I think they'll give good effort. I just don't know how good. If it's not great effort and they don't play a clean game, they're going to get embarrassed at, at, at Alabama in Tuskegee. North Carolina had a forced bye, uh, so now they return to play their second game of the season against Boston College, who escaped with a victory over Texas State, uh, a game that, I'll be honest, Chris, I I thought thought Boston College was going to blow them out. I loved what I saw from Jerkovich in their first game. Hunter Long, besides Kyle Pitts, might be the best tight end in the country. Uh, I really liked this Boston College team going into that game. And they had to come back from 14 points down to barely win that football game on a last-second field goal. And now they, they they have to host North Carolina, which might have the second-best offense. in Well, uh, Miami's look pretty good, but maybe the third-best offense in the ACC. Uh, I don't know what to make of this game. Well, I think the thing that maybe, uh, you know, was kind of overlooked is the fact that Texas State has, does have good speed. Mm-hmm. BC doesn't have really good speed. BC's got a good offensive line, and I do agree with you. I think Jerkovic has come along, and I think where that happens to them is they're a line of scrimmage team, and I think when they've got to play the speed game, they get exposed. So, well, I mean, will they get exposed against the speed of North Carolina? Yes, yes they will. They will, and that and that's that's going to hurt them when they can get on top of you and they could run the football. And you know, for teams that they can do that against, not many of them they can. They will have some success, but boy, don't let them get behind because they're going to have a hard time because then it takes them out of what they do. And that's come off the ball with a flat pack and run it and run it down your throat. I listen, I think this is about North Carolina. What about North Carolina's timing though? I mean, you know, this is one of those things they come out slow, turn the football over. Maybe it's a game, but no, North Carolina's better should win here and should win going away. I think in the second half prime time, we go to Georgia in between the hedges, Auburn and Georgia, game two for both of these teams, and and talk about a second game right off the bat. You got number seven versus number four. Uh, Bo Nix looked good in, in his first week. We talked about Georgia and the quarterback issues. Uh, can Auburn go into Athens and pull off an upset here? I, I think if Georgia doesn't get more out of the passing game, it's listen again. If you can't score points, kind of hard to separate yourself from a team and 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 win like maybe your talent level would suggest you should. So I, I think that Auburn can win it. Uh, or I think that Georgia offensively might derail their chances of putting this game away. I still think Georgia's going to win it. I still think you're going to see them have a little bit of a different package. I think you're going to see them try to do a little bit more offensively. 
take some chances. Um, I, I thought they were by design a little bit too vanilla against Arkansas. And then it, and it was closer, Scott, than they anticipated. And they just had to figure out, hey, let's not screw around with this. I think they're more talented than Auburn. But Auburn, in their game against Kentucky, they played very well. By the way, Kentucky, as well coached as they are, was not the best game plan, was not the best coaching effort by that staff. Mm-hmm. But I thought that Auburn's young defensive line did some good things. You know, they're replacing all those guys, but they're still yeah. very talented. Bo played well. Bo's got a he threw up a couple of balls, though, that and you better watch it. Don't do that. You throw up a couple of those balls against the Georgia defense, then all of a sudden Georgia's defense is scoring some points or creating a short field. Still like Georgia here overall, but but it's the quarterback position. I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on the quarterback in terms of that's all people talk about, Scott. With Georgia, it is all about the quarterback. That will dictate their ceiling because the rest of the roster is really good. I will say they didn't run the football as hard or as well as, you know, my the timing and rhythm. Let's just see. One week, this is going to tell us something. This is a better opponent than Arkansas. We're going to see what Georgia has because obviously they got uh, the tide coming around the corner. Let's transition to the NFL here on the Football Film Room. Again, a reminder, be sure to subscribe to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from so you can listen to this and other podcasts available from LandryFootball.com and watch the show live on Twitch every Tuesday, 7 o'clock Eastern time on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. You can hit the heart button and follow the channel, and you can watch our show and all the other football shows that we have on Chris Landry Football's Twitch channel. And LandryFootball.com has all the information just one click away. You can click to subscribe to the podcast. You can click to follow the Twitch channel. It's all there at LandryFootball.com. We'll get to your questions coming up. I see we got a fantasy question about some tight ends. We'll get into, Chris, uh, but let's talk about overtime in the NFL. And remember when Donovan McNabb famously or infamously said he didn't realize that games could end in a tie. He thought there was going to be a double overtime. Yeah. Uh, It happened again with the same team as the Philadelphia Uh. Eagles and Doug Peterson uh, deciding to punt with 19 seconds left in overtime and essentially forfeit any chance to win the game and instead take a tie, which maybe he didn't know was possible? Oh, I would give him the benefit that he knew. I don't know why he did. Well, I mean, I can take a stab at why he did it. I just don't think he has a lot of confidence in this team right now, and I think he thought that that there would be a good chance that he might lose this game, which is worse than a tie. But, you know, for me, and we kind of went through before we went on the air, we were kind of going through, folks, the the sequence of plays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you got to do there. I mean, kind of took them – so they definitely took them, in my opinion, took themselves out of field goal range. I'm still going to have a couple of plays. I've got 18, 19 seconds. I am going to – Try to see if I can't pick up a first down or go deep throw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself some chance, even though I'm risking the potential for a strip sack fumble and lose the game. Um, that would have been worse, and that would have probably that have been grilled even further, even more than it now even skewered. But but the reality is, I'm gonna try to win that. I, I can't really 
explain it other than the fact that, you know, just when you're not confident in a team, when you're confident and you got 19 seconds and let's just say, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes, you're thinking I'm going all the way down the field and I'm going to make something happen. When you don't, when you can't protect, you can't move the football and, and you're concerned about a turnover and, and maybe creating a loss. I, I think that was as simple as that. It's as much as I detest the tie, a loss is worse. And I think it is as simple as that personally, but it's not a great answer. It's the only one I got. Mm. Well, let's get to our play of the week, Chris. And this one uh, comes to us from the Dallas Seattle game. And what we saw in this Dallas-Seattle game was obviously two quarterbacks going at it. Russell Wilson is the favorite right now to be the most valuable player. And this play was the game-winning play as we saw a DK Metcalf touchdown with 155 left on the clock. So here's the scenario. Third and three on the Dallas 29-yard line. Dallas is winning 31-30, and here's how it unfolds. So you take a look at it. Dallas is in two deep man under coverage, okay? So you've got two deep coverage. You're playing man underneath. Let's snap it. Let's see Russell's in the gun. As you see it, you see the one uh, half getting depth to play this route at the top. And we're going to run this back again, but you see the other safety in the split safety is just lined up, Scott, a little too close. He was not faked out by any play fake. So as you see him running over, he's the guy just crossing the 10-yard line. He is not in position to help out. And so the conventional thought is, well, this guy here was too late. No, it wasn't. It's it's the wrong position. And we're talking about Xavier Woods here, number 25. As you see them he is just a little too shallow here. So he's right now to, he he's he's at the so the ball the is arrow. being snapped from the tw- from the thirty yard line or the twenty nine yard line. There is nothing just, to bite on. Yeah, nothing he's to ten bite yards on. away here at the twenty. You're Correct. saying he should be further back at like the fifteen. Yes, he should be further back because that allows him to make a play underneath if the ball goes there. But as he is in depth, he can't get depth and width at the same time, so he's trapped. He's not deep enough, so now as the ball goes to the right, he is not in position, whereas the, on the top here, if you may, a little arrow here, this defender is in a position to defend. It's a, it's a two-on-one route where he's got in a two-deep. He's going to help out. Well, he's in a position to help out. Xavier Woods is not. He doesn't have enough depth. So as, as the receiver is getting deep here, you see – him getting beat. Well, he is not in position. He's not only is he in the wrong position, he turns the wrong way. So you look at him over and now you see uh, the, the defender come over and people think, Oh, he's late. No, he's not. That wasn't his guy. He's supposed to get help. He's supposed to get help inside. Mm -hmm. So this is what often happens when you look at it. And that is the reason for that breakdown there. And we'll see the end zone view of it here, but this is the problem. And you see it, you're not getting enough depth. He has just gone out as it comes over. He, again, he's trailing. He's the one silver. Obviously, if you trace where 23 is, he's in a position to make the play in his responsibility. But 
he comes over to try to help to react to the ball. And very often when you see a defender just react to the ball, people mm -hmm. assume where well, he's just late in coverage. No, no, no. In this case, it's a Xavier Woods that just did not play that. He did not play that the snap well and he because he didn't have enough depth and he wasn't in a position to cover the inside receiver as well if he's covering a quick slant, which that could have been – you know, uh, it, with enough depth, could have been able to siphon that off to the corner. But it's as simple as that, and you can't do that and make yeah. that mistake because you've got a big receiver. And good throw by Russell Wilson. It kind of – boy, he is doing a really good job. He's having some dumping, season. Dumping he's it into the barrel. And you know what? Watch it because you saw Aaron Rodgers do that Sunday night. Uh -huh. You see these good, good quarterbacks. The key to being a great deep ball thrower, it's kind of like in basketball. You know the great shooters? How many great outside shooters shoot line drives? No, I mean, high arc. You yep. have an arc. If mm -hmm. you shoot it with a high arc, you open up more of the rim, the basket, to the ball to go in. It is the same thing when throwing the football. When you throw it with a on a line, it has to be perfect, and it's just almost difficult to get it over the guy and into the hands. But when you throw it with great arc and you could just let it come down, you allow those big receivers to go up, body up against, put their body between yeah. you know the ball and the defender, and you just drop it in. And it's easy. You just run under it because you got time to run under it. It's an easy throw, and you're seeing the great quarterbacks do it so well, and, and no one's doing it better this year thus far through three weeks than Russell Wilson. Just break uh, broke Patrick Mahomes' record for the most touchdown passes through the team's first uh, three games. Uh, before we get to our preview of every single game on the week four schedule, including games that well, might not happen, uh, let's get to some questions here coming from our listeners. Fantasy Football one-on-one -on -one wants to know, which tight end do you like the best between Dallas Goddard and Noah Fant moving forward? Well, I like Dallas Goddard better, and he's going to be a more part of that offense, particularly when you got to get the ball out quick, uh, quicker against with this protection. Uh, I like Carson Wentz being able to get it to him, too. I know he's taking a lot of heat, but it's the offensive line issue. I can't go with Noah Fant. I mean, I don't know who's going to be quarterbacking. You know, yeah, Jeff be, Driscoll, maybe. It's gonna, yeah. yeah, it's going to be Drew Locke down the road, and mm -hmm. he certainly is going to have a chance for him to have success. But still, I, I of the two, just from a percentage standpoint, and it's truly, I guess, um, uh, fantasy typhoon, I, I, it, it's, it, it's just who's going to be healthy at quarterback. I would give Noah Fant a real chance, and I give him consideration, uh, but I, I would take Goddard of the two personally. Let's talk about the COVID situation with Tennessee. Uh, the Titans have a couple of players and coaches who have tested positive. Thankfully, the Minnesota Vikings, who they played last week, uh, did not have any positive tests. But for right now, uh, the NFL is – they want to go ahead and play this game here this weekend – and uh, I don't know if that's going to change come tomorrow, but the Titans host the Steelers in Nashville. We'll see what happens there. Chris, what are you hearing about this whole situation? And not, not just a lot of wait and see, a lot of unknown. What do we do? How do we do it? Uh, I think obviously the, the one thing I will say is the league's got a handle on it uh, really well, that they'll do the testing and make the judgment. You know, just when you were thinking, man, NFL hasn't had anything going on. Yeah. This happens. And then, you know, you wonder if this is going to happen again, if it's around the corner. And it's one of the reasons why, by the way, I know I'm jumping ahead, but it's because I don't know how to really address what's going to happen on that. 
they have talked about, Scott, and I'm very curious about this. They've talked about going into a bubble in the NFL come playoff time. They have talked about it behind the scenes. I don't know if any, but keep that in mind down the road. And the reason why mm. I mention that is what if you have a situation like this? What if it's Tennessee and Pittsburgh playing in the playoffs and we're discussing this sometimes in January? Yeah. That's a disaster. I mean, this is a bad – that's why they're looking and, and they're going to see how this plays out. But they're actually thinking, hey, look, let's bubble up come playoff time. And, and I didn't mean to take it in a different way, but it is kind of tied together because mm. – I don't know what's going to really happen now uh, with this game. And if the, you know, I, I, it's nothing, I can't really compare it to anything. Well, Mike so Tenenbaum, let me read this to you. Mike Tenenbaum, former general manager uh, of the Jets and with the Dolphins, obviously, and now he's working with ESPN. He tweeted out a couple of things. He said, one, uh, here's a quick solution. Tennessee and Pittsburgh go immediately into a bye week. And then you move Pittsburgh, Baltimore to week eight, which is when both teams have a bye. And you move Tennessee to Baltimore in week seven because Tennessee has a buy in week seven as of now. And he added that this is what happened with Tampa Bay and Miami in 2017 with Hurricane Irma. Mm-hmm. The Tampa Bay-Miami game, originally scheduled for week one, was shifted to week 11 when both teams had a buy and both teams were forced to play 16 consecutive weeks. Look, it's a valid point. It makes sense. Um you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see any. Look, I think it really comes down to how safe and secure do they feel it is. Do you potentially infect the Steelers? I mean, yeah, just it, some of this stuff is really confusing well, to me. I don't even think, Chris. I don't even think it's about that anymore. I think it's about the fact that there's going to be a severe competitive disadvantage with the fact that the Titans are shutting down their facility for the rest of the week. There's no question. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. But yeah. it's because of the reason, and you're right. I mean. You know, it's like, you know, and I know they said, if all we can do is a walkthrough, then that's what we'll do. That's just, no, it is. Are it's they going to practice at Vanderbilt? Like, I don't even know what they it do. Just, I don't, I don't, I really don't. I mean, it is, it is a mess. So, no, I think it's the only thing to do is to maybe use the bye week as a way to, to, I mean, it's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about it. I'm kind of into the film mode and thinking about how to deal with COVID games is I knew this was probably coming up and yeah. Haven't given a lot of thought, but it is something that you can do. Um, but it is something that is really concerning about, you know, again, how does this really come in and how does it really, I mean, what really happened? I mean, it could have been anything I know, but it makes you wonder is, you know, again, just as I was, as we were getting comfortable, mm-hmm. here we are again. And, you know, now we got to think, okay, it, it just, we got to remember that stuff could happen and, we, we they really the league needs to think about how they're going to handle this not just this week but going forward it's it's a really tough decision because then you're going to have you talk about playoffs and you know you're going to be dealing with winning playoffs. percentages That's yeah right. some teams with less games you know may, you yeah. know who's going to qualify you got a lot of issues competitively no you're you're 100 right this is this is going to be interesting to watch Here's another question coming from Burns who wants to know what's going on with Dan Quinn and the Falcons in their fourth quarter breakdowns. Is it scheme? Is it execution? Or is it? <coughs> I'm choking. <laughs> well, it, certainly there's a lot of choking, but why is there choking? They can't cover. So basically when you get behind in a game against them, you can still throw your way back in. They're doing an awful job with their coverage. And, you know, um, they're just giving up tons of big plays. So it is execution, and the personnel's not very good either. 
the the scheme is what it is. They play a lot of cover three, and they've not executed it well. That's the biggest issue. I also think there's a little bit of a, I don't know, um, you know, you you kind of joke with it, but there's a tightness that goes in that I think mm-hmm. you would label as part of choking. You get a lead. You know, Scott, when you've got that lead, you got to find a way to get off the damn field defensively. You got to find a way offensively to pick up an extra first down, maybe get a field goal to extend the lead a little bit more. They just can't close the door. And when you can't close the door and you can't cover deep, then people can throw their way back in the game. And, you know, as for them, as if their luck hasn't been, you know, bad enough and their execution hadn't been bad enough, they open the door for Nick Foles to make a return. And yep. he's back. And there he is. <laughs> and Nick Foles is, I mean, I'm sitting there when he's got a, def- when he gets the defender in his face and he goes full on. It down the gun barrel and throws that touchdown and says, look out, the Falcons are going down because he started to bring them back. It's amazing how that team rea- uh, rallied, how the, the, the momentum and, and the, 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 the feel of that whole Bears team, they were confident. And it was also byproduct of uh, the Falcons not being able to cover. So it was a combination of both. But that's what's happened. They just can't cover. Dallas threw their way back in the game. Seattle torched them uh, week one, and then obviously the Bears and Nick Foles came back on them the same way. Let's get into our previews here of week four in the NFL, and it starts on Thursday night football with the Broncos at the Jets. And uh, uh, Chris, blink twice if Christopher Johnson has called you to consult about a new coaching search. Next. Oh, my goodness. I'm sitting here, and I'm trying to give you folks a great chance to watch the game. I love football, and I love studying football. I'm watching it. I can't give you a damn good reason why I am, though. <laughs> this is a bad well, look. We, look, Adam Gase is, is yes. not going to – I don't think that he even makes it through this season. Um, at, the, at the most, he's going to finish the season and then be done. He has lost this locker room. And here's and the it, thing it's, about it's it. Evident. It's, it's, it's so evident, Chris. Here, here's the thing about it, too. You lose at home. And, you know, everyone's going to throw it. Well, Sam Donald, he's, you know, look how long he's, they're not good around him. And I do, th- I would not give up on that kid. But then, you know, you have uh, a backup quarterback that's coming in for a young rookie that, that's been injured. And if they come in on the road and beat you, you know, that's going to be difficult, uh, obviously. And, uh, you know, it might be uh, real close between uh, – I think Arthur Blank has shown more patience. Uh, I, it looked like that Dan Quinn was the odds-on favorite to be the first one out during the season, but it might be right. It might be Adam Gase. I don't know. That looks like a mess. And I'm sure Greg Williams is probably behind the scenes trying to tell Christopher Johnson, hey, give me a shot at it. Give yeah. me a shot at me. Why not? Those things are – you know, I think that's coming. And you know mm-hmm. what? I think this would be, if not the final straw, this will be the one that's the banana peel on slipping into it because I think it's a, it's a mess. All right, we move on to Sunday. The Colts at the 3-0 Bears with Nick Foles under uh, center. Man, um, you know, watching this Bears team, the film says – you know, one and two, maybe zero oh and three. They're three and zero. Oh, you're right. I, the Colts have not been all that consistent. Um, 
I'm not going to count the Bears out. Something tells me the Colts on the road, though, just a little better team. I think they take care of business here. Moving along, the Jaguars at the Bengals. You know, Cincinnati's really struggling to protect Joe Burrow. He is getting hammered. And um, Jacksonville's just playing a little bit better right now. Uh, this game they can win on the road, but this is a game that the Bengals can absolutely compete and win. Uh, we'll see. That offensive line has to play better to give the Bengals a chance. Uh, I think it's a toss-up game. Jacksonville looks a little bit better, but something tells me Cincinnati might win at home. We move on to the Browns at the Cowboys. Man, I tell you what, the Cowboys are, you know, you're talking about a team that could be winless at this point. They are another team that just doesn't look as good as, um, and I know they played, you know, the whole, well, they played Seattle well. You got to, uh, you'll worry a little bit about about this Dallas team. Their offensive line's not playing like they expect, but at home, I think they take care of it. Cleveland's starting to play better. Um, this is a real important game. This is a game that Dallas has got to win. It's not a conference game, but they're kind of dangling right now. And uh, we, I know we got a question. I'll answer it right here. Uh, Burns4597 says, is the NFC East really as bad as it looks? <laughs> no, it's a lot worse than that. It's a lot worse than it looks. This is an awful division. And one of the things that's going to be interesting is I was thinking about this. There is nobody but the Cowboys, and the Cowboys may not be good. It may be 8-8, eight and eight, still win this thing. It really won't matter. The Eagles offensive line, the Redskins, you know, doing some good things, not good enough. And my goodness, um, you know, the Giants are a disaster. I mean, this is this is a mess of a division. This is awful. It's, it's one of the – it's not only the worst division in football, it's the worst division in football – I've seen in a long time. I'd have to go back in my record books and notes and think when I've seen the division this bad. I figured let's put a little NFL films music underneath this segment. Oh, what do yeah. you think? Let's do it. Don't Are you think? into it? Do you hear it? I do it. All right. So let's move along here. The I can't Saints. hear it, but as long as I listen, uh, I can, yeah. <laughs> the Saints at the Lions. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know I think the Saints get better here. Uh, look, the Detroit had a hard time finishing. They've actually. Uh, you know, when I broke it down, when they played the Bears, they outplayed the Bears most of the game and let them off the hook. Um, I, I think the Saints take care of business here on the road, get back on track. Uh, this is kind of a must win for them to get back on track. Detroit just won't be able to finish, and uh, I worry about them being able to match the points. We move on to the Steelers at the Titans if they should play the game that's why there's the question mark on the banner Chris yeah look I mean you look at it and I just wonder about the Titans preparation uh you hit it uh practicing uh Steelers um look bet you look really good here I this to me was a what I call a blue star game I, I thought it was one of the best games two playoff caliber teams but I think we're going to get robbed a little bit with the preparation yeah I, I think so as well uh how about the Seahawks at the Dolphins yeah, Seattle's looked really good. The Dolphins have fought, played hard. This Seattle team is really – the Seattle defense is not very good. I mean, they're not playing well, mm -hmm. and I'm trying to find a defense in the NFC that really impresses me, and I don't ha – I'll get back to you when I find it. Uh, it's <laughs> not there. Seattle, though, it's just – this to me is it, – it's a long way. This may be we, – we discussed it. I don't know. Somebody can Google this and map it out for us. This may be the longest road trip. Seattle to Miami, that's about as far as you can get. Uh, but yeah. other than that long trek, uh, I think Seattle takes care of business. Yeah, I think uh, – oh, I have the um, 
I, I have the breakdown on which teams have traveled the furthest, like last season. Um, but I'm trying to see NFL mileage chart. Let's it's, see. It's usually it's usually the Seahawks because they've got yeah. You know that wherever they go, they go a long way. I mean, they just it's it's you know it's it's a long way. They right, from Seattle to Miami is Seattle to Miami. Thirty-three seventy. Okay, that's 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 got to be up there, man. If it's not thirty-three seventy, I don't think that there's any uh, there's any. No, no, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go to London to get. Well, I was thinking maybe like New England to Seattle, you know, because you know New England's far east, but like, yeah, yeah, Seattle. What I say, thirty-three something. So now, if yeah. Seattle was to go to Foxborough, Massachusetts. Seattle to Foxborough is only three thousand fifty-one. So yeah, yeah. Seattle yeah. to Miami is the furthest. Yeah, travel. you're going. You're going about as far northwest and as far mm-hmm. southeast as you yep. can get, and so that's tough. So tough anyway, that's your geography portion. We need to get that sponsored, <laughs> by the way. Anyone that, interested in sponsoring that? And that is a an early body clock game for the Seahawks. So yeah, and 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 then, by the way, real quick, and let's get to our next game. I know uh, Rich Coach One says, "Do you think the Patriots are going to have to play ball control against the Chiefs to consider the Chiefs are capable of scoring in a hurry?" Well, a- absolutely. So I we'll think make the that way, the next game here. Patriots the, and Chiefs. There's no question about it. The Patriots and what you've got to be able to do is you got to try to reduce the possessions of this Chiefs offense. You average 11 possessions a game. You've got to somehow get them to nine, and you've got to be able to control the ball. I did think. And again, I raised my hand. I thought Baltimore would be able to beat the Chiefs, but I thought they would be able to do it with ball control. The problem mm-hmm. is, Scott and, and and everyone is, if the Chiefs get a lead on you, uh, you know, you, you know, you, if if you're a team like New England or even Baltimore, is can you move the football enough through the air to match points with them? Um, that becomes very difficult to do, and people haven't been real successful doing it. So, yes, that's what you have to do in my mind, uh, but you've got to be able to keep the ball away, but you've got to punctuate it with seven because if you don't and you end up with a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter and they've got two possessions, they're going to they're gonna potentially score. I thought Baltimore's defense would play better. They didn't. I think that you'll have a really good game plan a better game plan by Bill Belichick. I just don't know if it's enough to beat this Chiefs team. I, I, I'm i a big believer. This offense is – they're going to have to have an off day. Let's go to the Chargers at the Bucks. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm, the Chargers are just not playing good ball here. They're going on the road here, kind of like Tampa at home. But uh, and I want to see more out of this. I know it's the offense and a young quarterback and what they're doing at quarterback – that is the issue there, and that's where I would favor uh, this Tampa team. Obviously, not getting great quarterback play, but they have a great quarterback, and I know that seems like a, a, a back, you know, a backwards comment, but the reality is I think they can get more done at home here. I think Tampa gets it done. Short week for the Ravens. They look for a bounce-back performance against Washington. Yeah, I think they get back on track. Well, this Washington team still got a good defensive line. Uh, but there's not a whole lot else. I don't think they have enough offense. I think the Ravens and the offense uh, get back on track here. The Cardinals at the Panthers. Boy, I, I thought that that Atlanta would get it done last week in a must-win type game. It gets more and more must-win. I think, I think, Scott, Atlanta's bye week 
You always got to look for bye weeks for coaches that are really in trouble. I think it's week nine or 10. I think it's week 10. So that's a long way to go. Man, Dan, you really uh, you, you really need to uh, – uh, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking you said Cardinals. I'm yeah. thinking Atlanta here. Uh, the Cardinals in Carolina, I'm, 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 I'm thinking the, the Falcons all the way, and they, they're playing Green Bay Monday night. Uh, I was, was – were you surprised? One of the big surprises was the Cardinals' performance against the Lions last week. Yeah. Did not thought, play yeah. very well. And Carolina has played well. They've played hard. They've been in every game. Their defense has hung in. Um, they've, you know, I, I'm really impressed. I think the Cardinals get it done. They're too explosive on offense. Probably for apologize for the brain cramp there. So I'm thinking Falcons again. Uh, no, I think the Cardinals get it done, but it won't be easy. And they better play. They didn't play well against, you know, Detroit. Detroit, uh, Detroit, to uh, had their way with them. Let's talk about the Vikings at the Texans. Boy, that's a team that absolutely needs a win in both ways. Both of them. Both of them. Minnesota's yeah. not really good. Now, Houston has looked a little bit better. They've just lost to really good teams. Yeah. But they still need a win. The Vikings are kind of like – they look like they're close to losing that team. Uh, Mike's got to figure some things out real quick here. So, this is – you talk about a must win of uh, loser go home. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just uh, going to be interesting here. I, I don't know where to go with it. I give a little bit of an advantage to Houston at home. They've looked a little bit better than the Vikings. Giants at the Rams uh, in L.A. blowout here? Yeah, I think so. The Rams are looking really good. The Giants are looking as bad as the Rams are good. I, I think this Rams team's very, very solid. We move on to the – we talked about the Patriots and Chiefs, the Bills at the Raiders. The Bills they, looked real good. They really did. Josh Allen just was outstanding. Look, they kind of blew the lead against the aforementioned Rams last week. Um, but they came back, and I, I really was tweeting out, look, this is a Josh Allen confidence coming back, leading the team, making sure they didn't blow that lead was, was huge. So uh, really good game for them. This is a good-looking team, this Raiders defense. I know that they beat the Saints, but boy, the Saints just did not play well in that game at all. Buffalo looks better. I just think that they're a better team than the Raiders. The Eagles at the 49ers. Hey, look, the 49ers are playing well despite all of their injuries. I know that uh, Burns 4597 asked if could the 49ers be the best team in the NFC West or too many injuries. I think too many injuries. I think it's Seattle right now. Let me just say this. They're going to get some of those guys back. They are, let's not count out the Niners. As bad as the NFC East is, the NFC West is good. I need to check. What was the NFC quickly was? They were 7-1 and one going into last week's game. Uh, the Niners won. The Rams won. Seattle won. The Cardinals lost. So uh, so they're 10-2 and two right now, the NFC West is. That's pretty doggone good, and that's a game that the Cardinals probably – should have uh, should have won and remember it was what the Cardinals beating the Niners so that's one of the two losses to another NFC uh, not, nine and three Cardinals have a loss Rams have a loss Niners have a loss that's correct that yeah. the Rams the Rams lost to the Bills so that yes. that is correct the Rams did not win that's of course. all right so um, let, one of them one of them was to an NFC West team though so yeah. but no I think the Niners if I says they're not making the playoffs I think there's a really good chance right now. Remember, three, it's expanded this year. We have yeah, an extra team. That's what I'm saying. I think there are yeah. three teams coming out of the West where it looks right now. Long season, the injuries, but 
the, the, there's still a pretty good roster that the Niners have. They're pretty deep. But, no, I, I, I don't know that they're the best team. Seattle looks like the best team right now in the West. And finally, desperation time for Atlanta. They head to Lambeau to take on the undefeated Packers. Yeah, you know, um, it, 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 it was a game. I don't know why I'm thinking it was Atlanta against Carolina. I had that mixed up. I, I like their chances better than going to Green Bay. No, this is going to get tough because, you know, this could be a shootout game because I do think that Atlanta can score points. We've seen this offense uh, really move the football, score some points, uh, but I think Green Bay is going to score and score, and I do think that I would give Green Bay a better chance to get some stops. And um, Atlanta is going to jump up and get somebody. They're in a desperation mode. It might be this week, but something tells me they might be waiting another week. So. Well, Chris, uh, all these breakdowns and more can be found on LandryFootball.com. In addition to player grades from the games that we saw over the weekend, roster breakdowns and analysis, film room previews, film room recaps, all that and much more at LandryFootball.com. Absolutely. We're really excited about it. So we get it done. We usually get all the review breakdowns on Tuesday, um, usually before we're we're doing this show live on Tuesday night uh, at 7 Eastern time. Check us out. So you can get the breakdowns of who graded out the best in each of the games of the past weekend in the NFL. We get all usually by late Monday, um, usually get all the college games for the week, how it graded out and we get quite a few of the college games in so as scott said we're not only break down what happened inside the film room but who is the highest graded players and then we kind of give a grade of who had the best weeks inside the nfl and college football so check it out you can really get a good feel for it whether you're into the fantasy or gambling or you just want to learn more about the teams and the personnel that's what we do for you inside the film room at landryfootball.com take advantage of the great saving offer that we have over at Landry Football, or try it out for a month. Whatever it is you're liking, you can catch these podcasts as well. There's other podcasts that we have on the network, but the Film Room Breakdown is where the website was started. There's a foundation, what we continue to do, and really proud of, particularly during the football season. Always check it out, LandryFootball.com. Follow Chris on Twitter, at LandryFootball. You can follow me, at Scott's on Air. Subscribe to Landry Football's conference call, wherever you get your podcasts from, and please follow, subscribe to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. You'll watch this show every week and all of our great programming that we have every single day on the Twitch channel. You're going to love it. Chris, enjoy the games this weekend. I know I will. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's getting more and more interesting every week. We learn a little bit more about each team. It's usually a quarter of the season that gives you an idea where things are. This year, a little bit different. We're still kind of in the preseason mold. It's going to get fun. Talk to you then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.